Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Just before we come to his word, let's just pray together. Father, we come now and continue to worship as we look at your word. Father, as we come and look at the, the area of being an empowered by the Spirit, an empowered people, I pray that you would come and speak to us afresh in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. <clears throat> if you have a Bible, if you turn to the screen, I want to read a short passage from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through to 26. Galatians 5, verses 16 through to 26 says these words. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, thing, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. <clears throat> this evening, we continue our series, The People of God, Empowered. And we are continuing to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And tonight, what we are looking at is what is commonly known as the fruit of of the Spirit, thus our reading from Galatians. And that's where we're gonna be basing our teaching from tonight. One of the supreme mandates of the Holy Spirit is to impart the holiness of God to us, to change us from glory into glory, to change us to be like Jesus. Rick Warren says it quite directly and forcefully when he writes, God's ultimate goal for your life on earth is not comfort, but character development. Harsh words in some ways, but that's the reality. God is not about our comfort, but he is about our character development through the work of the Holy Spirit, transforming us to be like Jesus. Having heard over the last few weeks about the person and the function of the Holy Spirit, we are faced with the fact that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to do a job on us. We are created and saved in order to become like Jesus. If we remember a few weeks ago when Don was talking about the Holy Spirit in, in, the Old, in the Old Testament, God's plan was declared from the outset. It was declared from the very beginning when the triune God said, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man in our own uh, design. And so the main function, or one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit is to make us like Jesus, not only saved by Jesus, but day in, day out, becoming more like him, on a journey to be empowered for our lives to be transformed. And so as we look at particular in Galatians, it has to be said that there are two things that I want to look at first as I start to um, 
build what we're going to look at tonight. The first is that when we refer to the fruit of the Spirit, it is singular in the original. So it's not fruits of the Spirit. It is one singular word. It is fruit of the Spirit. The word is quite undeniably single. So what God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is trying to develop fruit in you that is intertwined. It's one fruit with many, many facets, many, many aspects to it. It is not fruits. So sadly, and the bad news for each and every one of us, and perhaps me in particular is, well, you can't concentrate on one and ignore another. You just can't say, well, I don't mind doing the, the, the peace bit, but all the, all the rest I can't be bothered with. I'm not very good at those things. So really, we, 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 the Holy Spirit is starting to do a job on us already, that all those things are so intertwined that they work together and they grow together, that we have to work on those things called joy and goodness. Patience is the one that really gets me. I have to confess, I'll come back to that later on. Patience is the one that I wish I could just knock off the end and concentrate on all, perhaps the others. It's not about having a bubbly personality that says, well, you have joy, or a nice person, so therefore you have genuine kindness. The reality is, it is singular, and those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are seen, are desired in each and every one of us on an ongoing and growing basis. Secondly, another important issue that we need to touch upon as we lay a foundation for the subject is so often that Christians we become so befuddled and we get confused between gifting and character, between gifting and character. So many of us can be taken in by someone's gifting and we get dazzled by their ability, we get dazzled by their apparent success, by their ability to speak, their ability to communicate, their, their ability to light up a room, their ability even to talk about Jesus in such wonderful and eloquent ways. And sometimes we get intimidated by such people and we get caught up with their gifting. <clears throat> they are so successful in every way that everything must be right, surely. How can something so good, not be anything else than good. And we translate to this, to our personal relationships, relationships and friendships. And if we see someone being successful or prosperous, then we presume that everything must be right at the core of their life. And so often and so sadly, in the latter part of the 20th century and the 21st century, Christians and churches and people have fallen for talent over, over character. We have seen successful people fall because no one ever talked to them about character issues in their life. Because they were successful, they were like untouchable and nobody pushed into some of the realities and the character of their life. Friends, because many of our everyday practices and business models operate on the premise of success, the bottom line, the accumulation of assets and having the latest, the best, the cutest, the fastest. We need to be careful that character is not seen as a natural overflow from apparent success. Success does not automatically equal fruitfulness as, des as desired by the Holy Spirit in our life today. Talent is a gift given by God for many, many reasons to be used in church and out of church, in the marketplace, in the schools, wherever. But it is a gift from God and it is just that. Character is a choice. Let me say it as blunt as this. You can be incredibly 
talented tonight, but you can be bankrupt of character and God is more interested in your character. Let us realize that just that, that's it. Talent is a gift, but character is a choice that everyone makes. I choose not to be tempted. I choose not to be bitter. I choose not whatever. And it's a choice that I make. But so often we can allow it to override everything else. I, my prayer for each and every one of us is that we are not duped, we're not taken in by success or talent in our own life or in the life of others. Sometimes we need to apply it to ourselves. We can be apparently successful and yet our character can be bankrupt. A couple of three weeks ago when the young adults had their all in, I went down to see them before the start and I was at the Zeal building. I don't know if many of you were there. And I saw this following, this following statement. It says, no matter how educated, talented, rich or cool you believe you are, how you treat people ultimately tells all. So moving on, or perhaps moving back to, to Galatians, we're going to take a little time to paint a backdrop to, that allows us to grasp more fully what Paul is trying to communicate here about the fruit of the spirits. First of all, to appreciate how precious and powerful these words are, we need to see them in the larger context of what Paul is writing here to the church at Galatia. And these are beautiful words. Some of the words in Galatians and what we read about the fruit of the Spirit, they're truly beautiful words. But actually, this letter is Paul at his most angry. Paul is incredibly cross when he's writing this letter. It's, you need to know the context and you need to read it from beginning to end. And Paul is really ticked off with his people because of what they are doing. They have heard the message and they have responded to the fact that they are declared righteous by God. They have been declared righteous. They know their sins were given through Jesus. But instead of just resting in that and growing in that, they were falling into the lie that people were telling them that they, had, they could make themselves better or they could make themselves, and this is a ridiculous thing to say, more righteous before God by giving greater obedience to the Old Testament law. False teachers had come in amongst them and were misleading them into believing that there was more righteousness that they could accrue, more acceptable if they did this or did the next thing. And Paul is saying, stop it. Absolutely stop it. And the, the language in the Greek is one of, of a man who is really trying to stress something. Listen, he says this, you know, and we need to hear this. The requirement for holiness is still very real. It is still valid today, and holiness is still required of God. But what has changed through Jesus is how it is achieved. It's not about us striving to be better Christians, more holy, on the basis of our own good-intentioned human efforts. Instead, how it happens is it's through partnership, that we allow the Holy Spirit to come in us and upon us and alongside us, and through partnership with the Holy Spirit, we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work from the inside out to change and transform us into the likeness of, son, of His Son, Jesus Christ. If you have a list of 30 things how to better your life, you will become more religious. You may not become more like Jesus. And God calls us to be more like Jesus, not more religious. You know, I actually need to hear that message time and time again. I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody because I, probably like you, I'm, I'm so aware that I'm not as gentle as I need to be. 
that I'm not as gentle as Jesus was, nor am I gentle as Jesus is. I'm not as patient as he is. I'm not as kind as he is. But I do need to know, and I do need to hear afresh and again and again and again, that the Holy Spirit is empowered to partner with us to transform our lives from the inside out. And that it's not about me working harder or being more religious. It's about me partnering with him to allow him to transform us. And sometimes the, the lie of the enemy that comes along and says, you failed again or you're not up to some mark. And this is absolutely true. Absolutely true. But the truth is that we need to allow him to bring change to us as we present ourselves to him. And Paul is saying, you've got to get this. You've got to get hold of this. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts, but that transforming power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and secondly, as we build this, this backdrop or painted backdrop, we need to see afresh or maybe for the first time, the context of this is that Paul's message that he is saying here in Galatians 5 is as radical a message as you will ever, ever hear. We just read it. We just know it. Probably most of us have heard it and read it for years. We just think, oh, that's Paul talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit. But in the original context, this was a more radical message than you could ever imagine. He is not trying to list all the sins that he can think of. He's not trying to think of all the things that would shock your grandmother. He is actually telling people who are reading this in the first century things that they already knew. He was reciting what was common practice and what was acceptable. The radical nature of this passage is that what Paul is about to say is so countercultural, which in that context was, if you want sex, have it. Male or female, have it. If it brings you pleasure, good. If you want it, just go and enjoy it. That was the culture of the day. The radical nature of Paul's message was that historical Experts tell us of, cult, of the culture of that day that the new virtue that Christianity was bringing to that day and age was virtue itself. That was an incredibly radical, countercultural message. Virtue was unheard of. Virtue wasn't something that they, they practiced. It really was. If you want something in the sexual area, Go and get it. Enjoy it. And it was seen as a natural part of just getting through everyday life. So the radical nature was, hey, we are a people of virtue because of what Christ has done for us. G.S. Duncan, in his book on Galatians, concludes and says this, In nothing did early Christianity so thoroughly revolutionize the ethical studies, ethical standards of the pagan world as in regard to sexual relationship. So Paul is building this backdrop of saying, this just is normal stuff, but we are gonna be incredibly radical. Friends, I actually believe tonight that this is as radical a message today as it was over 2,000 years ago. And whilst Paul is being radical here, I believe that we do have a radical message to transform the world that is around us. For he is saying, this is now your new grid of reference. Now this is the new way of doing life. And I believe that as Christians, we have a radical life-transforming message that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into the image of his Son so we can carry this message. 
I believe that we as a church, and I mean the broader church, we can build a community. We can build communities that are so radical that the world can flee to and find healing and restoration and hope through the broken sexual nature of the world in which we live. Paul's absolutely radical as you will ever hear a message. So, painting a quick background, we come to the passage where Paul lays out those attributes the Holy Spirit is looking to see grow in us. And he says, and he gives us this list, and then he gives us the list of the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit. And he's not trying to berate them. He's not trying to condemn them, saying, oh, you're doing this and you shouldn't be doing it and all that. He's just telling them, as I said earlier, he's just telling them the facts. And he's saying, this is how you once lived, but this is how you now live. And in, in a few moments, we're going to look at two, uh, two or three of the, the fruit of the Spirit. But what I do want to look is at some of the powerful words that Paul is using when he's listing where they've come from. <laughs> and I want to look at the words impurity, first of all. And the word for impurity is, uh, a, was a very common Greek word. We just use sexual immorality, which seems to cover up a lot of things. But the word in, in the Greek was what we would use for an unclean wound. Forgive me if you get squirmish on these things. It is what they would talk about, like the pus of a sore. You know that? You know, no, one, no one's ever done it. But then, you know when you push it and you break and you squeeze a sore and the pus comes out? And you have a good look to see what it's like? Or maybe that's just a male thing, I'm not sure, is it? But that's what it's talking about. And you know, if you got a, it can be embarrassing, can't What? Where did all that come from? That small, small sore, whoa! But that's the word it's using, all this pus comes up. And you just squeeze it a bit harder. It's just two ladies at the back fainted, I'm sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> but he's talking about things that are good Greek words here, messy and yucky and horrible and embarrassing. And sometimes these things are embarrassing. But what Paul is gonna say in a while is that we have a counterculture message that says, wherever you are embarrassed, God can bring transformation wherever you feel embarrassed. And I felt it quite strongly for this morning and I'm just gonna say it tonight because I just wanna lay it out there. I really felt this morning, I wanted to just labor this for a few seconds to say that there, there may be many of us who are embarrassed by situations that we have come out of or find ourselves in and we are too embarrassed to talk about them. And embarrassment is the only word that really sums them up because we can't deny them but we're still in, in them or they embarrass us. And I really do believe with all my heart that God would say nothing embarrasses him. There is nothing that can embarrass you before the throne of grace because he knows the pus of your sin and he knows the pus and the mess of your life and nothing will embarrass him. Second word I wanna look at is hostile, hostile actions, dissensions. I can give you the Greek word, but hey, I wouldn't be pronouncing it right and so I'm not even gonna go there. The literal meaning means readiness for pleasure. It knows no restraint. There it is, hostile actions. Any Greek expert, there you go. It means ready, for, ready for anything. Readiness for pleasure. And that's the world in which we live in. And the counterculture, you know, or the counterculture that we bring, you know, sometimes Don has spoken so often about we live in a spontaneous society. But you know, sometimes God doesn't want us ready for anything. He wants us ready for anything that he calls us to. And that we need to declare, we need to demonstrate, we need to just, just, just 
reflects something of the heart of God that says, you know, we can be ready for anything, but we, we, we want to be different. Thirdly, the word strife. And it comes from a great word. It means rivals for prizes. Sounds like a game show, doesn't it? Rivals for prizes. Whilst and it can be used in a good sense, and uh, it's not used in a good sense here. Paul is saying he's using in the context of unhealthy rivalry between people and between Christians. I want to be, we wouldn't say this, of course, but I want to be better, cleverer, richer, faster, thinner, prettier. I want this, I want that, and I really want it. That we have an unhealthy rivalry for prizes in our life. And it happens in the Christian church as much as it happens outside. But that's the reality. And Paul says, you know, you were once like this, but hey, I'm going to do a job on you through the Holy Spirit, and this is where we're coming to. You know, Galatians 5, in some ways it has really bad news because we notice that the coming of the Holy Spirit does not solve all problems. It does not heal all wounds. And sadly, it does not make people perfect. I wish it would. But actually, the, the, the writer to um, Galatia says, in some ways, when the Holy Spirit comes, a war starts in your life. And how many of you have decided to say, I want to do something for Jesus. I want to just do something. I want to be able... And all hell breaks loose. And your life gets no better. In fact, it gets far worse. Or is that just my experience? You know, it's like, I really just want to make some changes in my life. And as soon as it does, all hell breaks loose because you've decided. And that's just the work and the strategy of the enemy. And the virtues of a spiritual life that the Holy Spirit is desiring to empower in us, I'm just going to read them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the, this is the evidence of Christ living in us. Friends, Christ, the evidence of Christ living in you, hear my heart here, is not on how, how spiritual you sound or how much of the Bible you can quote, not that that is bad, or how long or something or you can pray for. The virtues of a spiritual life are what we read. And maturity is nothing about years saved or tales that you can tell, but maturity is how much of that we reflect in our life. And so the fruit of the Spirit is evident when we love, when joy fills our hearts, when peace characterizes our relationships, when patience, when patience enables us to endure the foolishness and the stupidity of the so many people I have around me. That's supposed to be a joke, I'm sorry. And they would say the same. No, I'm not joking. As the one preacher said, the fruit of the Spirit helps you and I fit to live with. Fit to live with. And this is as practical as it gets. The fruit of the Spirit is not some so secret key to pleasant, livable lives in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. He just wants to change us. I want to say, and please hear my heart on this, in over 30 years of pastoral ministry, of doing the stuff that pastors do, I have seen so many relationships, so many families, so many partnerships break down, and each and every one of them are tragic in their own right, and different reasons are cited. But more often than not, for those things to happen, they have been preceded by an environment where sullenness, moodiness, 
passive aggression, irritability, petty jealousy, good old-fashioned grumpiness, quarreling, nagging, and bad temper have been prevalent in so many situations. The Holy Spirit is to make us fit to live with. He is to transform us into the reality of what Christ does. These are the things that I have just quoted that make people unfit to live with, to which the antidote is the work of the Holy Spirit moving in us and upon us. Paul clearly, clearly teaches us that through the death of Christ on the cross and now through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, we are no longer to be dominated by sin. We're no, no longer dominated and slaves to sin. So friends, we have no right. We, there is no foundation to say, well, that's just the way I am. How many times, hold on, I'll ask you, if I had a dollar for every time in a counseling situation, somebody has said to me, Chris, well, that's just the way I am. I want to take the dollar and slap them. Because I have to confess, I don't think that's an excuse anymore as a Christian. I've not taken the dollar or slapped anybody, so. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's just the way I am. Change. If you belong to Jesus, he wants to transform you. If you're nagging and grumpy and passive-aggressive, you ain't fit to live with. So change. We are no longer allowed to stay like that. So, <laughs> having seen three things that the, Holy, the fruit of the Spirit is gonna count, I just wanna come and see them now. First of all, I want us to see in that long list is one that is jo- the word joy. And the Greek word is kara. And if you know any karas, that's what the name is based on. And the fascinating aspect of the word joy, or the word kara, means that it comes only from a religious background. It only can be found in religion. In other words, joy, true joy, lasting joy, everlasting joy, will not be found in anything else apart from God. That's the joy that the Bible talks about. Joy, a lot of the things in life will bring us some happiness, give us some entertainment, can give us some delight. But true and lasting joy as the Bible talks about, will only ever come from God. That's the usage of the word. In the Old Testament, David writes in Psalm 30, you have clothed me with joy. It's that joy in the Hebrew that comes from a religious um, root. And Paul in Philippians says, I always pray with joy because of you. It's that same Greek equivalent that says it only comes from a religious or a God-ordained background. Joy doesn't come from earthly stuff. doesn't come from the things that are good and pleasurable to have. But if you f- believe or if you strive beyond what you should to find joy in those things, you will never find it. It's good to have all those things. Please don't take me wrong. You know, I talked about finance a few weeks ago. God doesn't speak against the finance. He doesn't speak anything against money at all. But where are we, as it were, aimed in at? Where are we aiming in our lives to find the joy Where do I find my joy today? Where do you find your joy? Is it in the accumulation of things outside of God? Secondly, peace. I love this. It's it's the Greek, it's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew shalom. And there are a couple of uses in the Greek, and it's one that particularly fascinates me. In the Greek Empire, 
in cities and in smaller towns and in villages, they had, they had an official whose job was to keep the peace. And that's what his name was. Again, I'm not going to pronounce it, but Irene, Irene, that was their role. They were to keep the peace. They were to move amongst the people. They were to ensure at the end of the day, that at the end of the week, peace was in that situation. And I believe that that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. He wants to be the maintainer and the keeper and the governor of peace in your life. I'm just going to use an example from my own life, which is so, so valid. You know, when people tick me off, I have to confess, I sometimes just can't let it go. How can people be so stupid to say the things that they say and act the way that they do and just, it really ticks me off and I lose my peace, and I really get cross about it. And this, I really get cross, and it usually manifests itself in the car when I'm going home from work, or when I'm going somewhere else. Sometimes it happens when I run. And depending on how cross I am, or how much I've lost my peace, depends on the length of the run. I was chatting to someone after the service this morning, and I don't think they're here, so I can use the example. They've been on a lot of anger runs recently. And I thought that that was a really good thing. And I don't know about you, but I just, I lose my peace over certain things. That doesn't happen, don't worry, it doesn't happen all the time. But when it does happen, this is a bit what I am like. people know, knew I was going to show that tonight, and they were so disappointed, we weren't showing the whole four minutes. But you know, if you want to know where that comes from, most of you will do, but I can tell you after. But you know, I find myself in the car, and I'm really talking, and I've talked to God, and it's as if the Holy Spirit speaks to me and really wants to challenge me, and I, and I get really cross, and I get no peace in my life, because I have to be honest and say that situation or someone has really ticked me off, has really made me just not at peace, and I... I fully inform God of how stupid they are. I fully tell him that they are wrong and how he needs to put them right. And at least they need to get some sense in their head and just do something different or apologize. But you know what always happens? And it really bugs me. God never talks to me about them. He always talks to me about me. And this is how it usually goes. He usually says, are you gonna forgive them? No, Lord, they're stupid. And he says, are you going to talk to them? Well, not if I can help it. Are you going to admit that you could be partly to blame? Not a cat's chance. Are you going to repent because you picked up a fence when you shouldn't have? And this is the conversation that happens between the two of us. And it's as if we have this conversation and then I just say, Lord, whatever you want. Because he works at peace in my life. And he says to me, you've got to work it out, son. Yes, they may have offended. Yes, they may have offended someone that is dear to you. Yes, they may have done stupid. 
things, but you have to be careful that you don't lose your peace. And he is the superintendent of peace in my life. And when I get home, I'm normally and regularly got it sorted out. But friends, for peace in our life, it is not an option. The Holy Spirit wants to be the superintendent of peace in your life as he develops fruit in your life. And you know, sometimes you're gonna have to talk to him and be cross with him and be angry and say, Lord, how, what are you playing at? But ultimately, if we are to reflect something of the nature and of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we have to allow peace to reign and be over all in our life. It's not easy. And the last word that I really want us to look at very, very quickly, it's a word for fidelity. I'm not sure what, it, in your, in what your version, but in some words, in some Bibles, it can say trustworthiness. It's actually the word that we would use for reliable. And I was thinking about this. You know, if you say somebody's reliable, it's not really the highest compliment, can't you? If you've got a dog, it's reliable as well, don't they? They just want to go for a walk. But I actually believe that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in us the fruit of, or the aspect of reliability. That what we say, we will do. What we say we won't do, we won't do. That when we give our word, people can trust us. I had the privilege of interacting with a number of guys recently over a situation that we, we've been doing uh, at home. And guys have said, I'm gonna be there. And you know, they were there. They were there early, they were on time, they just came and they helped us and they helped us do some stuff. And I'm just thinking, these are great guys. And I just got thinking about it. You know why they're great guys? Because they're reliable, because it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. That they are trustworthy, that they are reliable, they are all these things that they say they are. And friends, this morning it may not be cool or sexy or whatever, but if somebody says, you know, you are a reliable person, it is so, so good. But our word is yes, and the Bible says our word is yes and amen. So the Holy Spirit wants to <coughs> develop these fruits in our, uh, these fruit in our life. I nearly said fruits then, didn't I? I just want to finish with three very quick things that have helped me in this whole area. First of all, it's a walk with no easy formulas. In other words, if it is the work of the Holy Spirit in us and on us, it's gonna take no easy formulas. It's gonna be hard work because there is an enemy opposed to you, but the Holy Spirit wishes to desire a work of transformation in you and there is no easy, quick, short route to producing fruit. I wish I could just produce fruit. I'm sure farmers could or horticulturists. I wish we could just grow fruit like that. But the reality, as is in the, in the natural, is, is in the spiritual. There's no easy formula. There's something that needs to be done. Friends, I got some really bad news for you, and it's this. God does not have a subtle plan, but he does have a plan to change your life. And he produces the fruit of the Spirit in us by allowing us to encounter situations and people with characteristics that are exactly opposite to the fruit of the Spirit that he wants to develop in you, or the aspect of the fruit. It's easy to love lovely people, kind people, gentle people. It's not so easy to love pesky, cantankerous, miserable people. And if he wants to develop that aspect in your life, no, bad, yeah, no subtle plan. He's gonna put those people into your life. And you're gonna find them at work, 
You're going to find them at uni. You're going to find them in your neighborhood. And you're going to find them at home. So you better learn quick. God's not very subtle. This is how he does it. I wish he could be more subtle, but that's going to be it. And the same goes for patience. Time is of the essence. And don't you always find yourself behind the slowest car? Or the slowest line, whether you're in pack and save or, or countdown. You know, for me, it's just like, when I'm in a rush, everybody wants to talk to me. When I got, no, when I got plenty of time, no one wants to talk to me. It's not quite like that. But it's just like, oh man. And you know, I really believe that God teaches me patience through irritation. It's not a gift of the spirit, but I think that some people have it. Because God wants to develop that in me. And probably all of you are identifying with it. But that's how he does it. It's not a subtle plan. God works in such ways to develop whatever aspect of the fruit he is working on. You know, and it's going to take time. Growth is gradual. Many of us, I'm sure, know people who are impatient. Know people who want things instantly. Know people who want things as soon as they possibly can. But fruit grows slowly. I... I had a dad who not only was he a farmer, but he, he loved his garden. And when everything was great in his garden, it was his garden. Whenever it needed to be mowed or weed, weeded, it was our garden. <laughs> Thanks, dad. But he always, you know, he used to spend hours in his garden. It was the way that he used to relax. And he, was, he used to teach me as a, a young boy and all those things, lessons that have stood and stuck. But the, the essence of planting a tree, that you take a young sapling and, and when the season is right, you plant and you sow, and you feed, and you plant things around it so they can cross-pollinate, and it takes time, and it develops, and there is a time lapse, and these things will eventually happen. But for fruit to come, it will take time. There is no shortcuts. And friends, today, our growth in character is also far more gradual than we may like. You know, I'm sure that we have attitudes in our hearts and minds, if we're perfectly honest, that we would like to get dealt with straight away. But very seldom does that happen. And he is asking and calling us today through the power of the Holy Spirit to create right climates, to create right environments around us on a daily basis so that the Holy Spirit can speak into us, that he can move upon us, that we make ourselves available on that daily basis that says, Lord, come and do whatever you want to do in my life. Grow, develop, shape, prune, whatever you need to do. That will look different for each and every one of us, but that we create that environment. And also, I want to close, and will the musicians please come? We need to stay connected. You know, for the fruit of, fruit of the Spirit to be grown and developed in our life, we need to get connected. Uh, John says in John 15, verses 5 and 8 says, about Jesus, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Fruit is the result of remaining in Christ, evidence that we are his disciples. Friends, the reality is God wants to do a job on your life. And going back to what Rick Warren said at the beginning, he is more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. And that's just one of the things that the Holy Spirit desires to do, or that God desires, I should say, to do through the Holy Spirit. That, that we are an empowered people to bring life transformation. 
And we do need to stay connected. We need to get stay connected in worship. We need to get connected to those around us. We need to stay connected to the word and worship, everything. The modern infatuation with Christianity has been private, individualistic, eclectic, is not biblical. Fruit-bearing people, fruit-bearing believers, without connection, without a community, without people who can speak into our lives, is not a biblical concept. And the Holy Spirit, through all those connections, wants to do that job on us that I have said. And so we finish. And I, I really do believe with all my heart that as we look at this theme, that we are not only empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and tell of what the Lord has done for us, but not only empowered to go and tell people of the good news of Jesus Christ, but I also believe that we are empowered to demonstrate to people that there is a better life available, that there is a better life available through Jesus Christ. And it's not found in wealth, it's not found in all, all of those things that we talked about earlier, but it's a joy that's found in the Lord. And that he wants to do work in us from the inside out to, to produce those things that we call the, the fruit of the Spirit, that our lives are characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.